Amen. We're going to get started. Praise God. Sister Johnson drove herself to church today. I looked out and saw a trail of bodies strewn all up. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Ah, you know I'm messing with Davis. But uh, I should talk. I, I don't even drive myself anywhere anymore if I could help from, if I could help it. You know, I can help it. I don't do it. So uh, anyway, but we praise God that you are healed and you're walking in it. Amen. You are walking in it. You know, we, God warned us that this year we would have testing, but we would pass every test. Amen. With flying colors because he, he's a God who helps us and he strengthens us and encourages us in every way. So we are just so thankful to God for everything that he is and what he does. And we just praise him. Thank you, Lord. So today we're going to talk about the command of joy. Amen. The command of joy. And, uh, it's just, yeah, I heard that. Alright, okay. It's a little teeny amen. Amen. It's always good when babies amen. That encourages the preacher when everybody else goes to sleep. If they leave the baby awake, you're still getting amen. So praise God. Lord, we do thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne and we thank you, Lord. <clears throat> we open up our ears and our hearts to receive what you have for us. As far as power, understanding, knowledge, and revelation are concerned, we want to be successful in everything we do. We want to move freely with you, Lord, and, and uh, let the, let the uh, things that we need, Father, come to pass. Uh, the things that we know that belong to us, Father, come to pass. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Miss Sharon, why don't you come on up and share your testimony? I just always like it when we start out encouraged and uh, praise God. Amen. Because <laughs> the devil is a liar, yes, idiot. He is. <laughs> okay. Um, probably about a month and a half ago, where I work, they cut my hours. I didn't, I didn't have any classes to teach and they moved me over to administration. So I'm 30 hours a week. You know, it's hard enough making it on 40 hours a week. Um, So 30 hours was getting difficult. So I came and I asked Pastor Barb to pray for me to get another job. And she says, let's pray for those hours back. And I'm looking at her like, wow, I never thought about that. I'm just. (laughs) So last week the owner called me and she's like, are you still free on Monday? Can you start coming back on Monday? So I got my 40 hours back. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. I love proving the devil to be a liar. Amen. Praise God. It's always good to partner in somebody else's miracle. I'll tell you that much. Amen. Because it's so encouraging and it adds to your faith and to your account in God. So it's good. Amen. Amen. So, Ms. Sharon, you can go around and blast the devil on behalf of other people that you, <laughs> you know, tell make him give it back. It don't belong to him. Amen. So, amen. So, uh, we're going to talk about, like I said, the command of joy. Uh, joy is a fruit of the Spirit <clears throat> like no other. One of the differences is that it is empowering. 
man. It's very empowering. Uh, joy is. Joy tends to attract other powers of God to itself when it's yielded to. So when you yield to the fruit of joy and you demonstrate joy from your spirit, then you become, you start to live in a different class, I would say, on a different level. Uh, you kind of get to your, yourself to a place where uh, you're more or less uh, um, immovable, invincible, um, indestructible. You start moving in that realm. Um, let me think, where is that scripture? It just came to my mind to share this one with you. Oh, like I said, (laughs) got my stuff. I don't have to ask nobody for nothing. Uh, If it'll come on. Oh, there's the button. Yeah, all you naysayers, detractors, malfactors, 'er ne'er-do-wells. Let me see here. I know all that. Uh, what should take me two days to find it? Yabba dabba do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it probably gonna take me too long. Yeah, well, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Hmm. There's too many joys in here. Right. Okay, all right. Let me look another way. I'm going to get this. Amen. Hebrews 12.2. I knew it all the time. Yeah. (laughs) It says here, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Who for the fact of future joy. That's what that means. There was a joy that Jesus had not experienced yet. That was set before him that he knew was coming, that he knew would come. And because he trusted the father, he did something to make sure that he participated in that joy. And it says he endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus set an example for us. For future joy, for future circumstances, for a future situation, he was able to endure the cross just in the hope of joy. And when he did that, he secured that joy for us. So now we have the fruit of joy that resides in us. And so when we rejoice in the Lord, we are actually making a down payment on future circumstances. Got me? So joy is a fruit of the spirit that will carry you through to ensure that you get 
to where you need to get. It ensures that you will get the thing God promised you. It ensures that you get the thing that you're praying for. It, it, it is an insurance. It is a down payment on your future victory, your future circumstances, your future promise, your future life, everything. So joy has the ability to transport us into the realm of the spirit that we would live in somewhere in the future. You got me? So when the author says in, in uh, uh, Philippians 4, 4, that's really the scripture. The author says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This was written by um, the apostle Paul, who actually had no reason to rejoice most of the time. He had been beaten every place he went. They beat him up. If they didn't beat him and couldn't catch him to beat him, they took a vow not to eat anything until they did kill him. So he was a very much despised and hunted man. So there was no reason in the natural for him to be joyful. uh, Because really, to, to think about it, what did he have to look forward to? More beatings, more persecution, huh? escaping, barely escaping. But yet he said, all of these things don't move me. And I believe they they didn't move him because he lived in a place in the spirit where the joy of the Lord was, was his portion continually. He lived off continual joy. He could look at the people persecuting him and know that they would fail at everything that they tried. He could look at them and know that their day was coming, but he also looked at them with compassion and wanted to tell them the truth about Jesus so that they could turn and repent and and be saved. And so there were a lot of reasons that Paul could command people to rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And he says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand and be anxious or careful for nothing. So when you rejoice, when you have joy and rejoicing in your life, you're not worried. You're not fretful. You're not concerned. Now, many people will say, you know, you don't care about this or, uh, you know, I've had people sometimes say, well, don't laugh. And I'm thinking, why not? Somebody got to laugh. You ain't doing it. I will say, if you knew what I know, but you don't want to go there with people. Huh? My poor late husband used to tell me that. He said, well, I just find you're laughing. I said, I know. I know you don't like it. I want to say Satan. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't go there. Amen. I wasn't, I wasn't into abusing him. <laughs> Contrary to popular opinion. Not my thing. <laughs> but anyway, but you know what I'm saying. You just think these things, you know, it's like, wait a minute, brother, if you only knew <laughs> where Jesus found me sitting up in a mental hospital, a former, a shell of my former self. <laughs> and he saw value and worth in me. Huh? Are you kidding me? You think I don't laugh at the devil? If if I don't know anything, I know the devil don't have me no more. 
That's enough to want to laugh about. Huh? <laughs> yeah, the world doesn't understand our joy. That's why you need to laugh as often as possible. Amen. You need to rejoice as often as possible. Amen. That's right. Just go in and tell him. <laughs> Listen, you thought you had that, but you ain't got it. Amen. And you ain't getting it. And you can say that with a certainty. Amen. So to rejoice really means to gladden or to make joyful. Amen. To make joyful. It also means to glory against a situation, a person, or a thing. It means to boast oneself against something. So when you think about it in that respect, your rejoicing is a weapon against discouragement, against failure, against disappointment. It's a, a, a boasting. It's what you say. Well, look, devil, you can't get this. Amen. And I know you can't have it. Even when he's got it in his teeth, you can say that to him. You can laugh in his face because the rejoicing of the Lord is what tells you that joy that you release on the inside of you says to God, God, I declare right now that the devil has no victory over me. I thank you for what you have done. And together we laugh at the devil. The Bible says he who sits in the heavens laughs. Why? Because he knows their day is coming. He knows it's short-lived. And so you can rejoice with God knowing that his plan is coming to pass in your life, knowing that no weapon that's formed against you will ever accomplish what it sets out to do. I don't care what it sets out to do. The devil can set out to rob, cheat, steal, curtail, all kinds of things, but it will never, ever prosper. And that in itself is reason to rejoice. Amen. So know that your joy, your rejoicing is a weapon because you are glorying against the thing that's trying to take you down. Amen. You're, you're rejoicing against that. You're setting a force of confidence, a force of overcoming power against that thing when you rejoice. So that rejoicing then becomes a down payment on your future circumstances or your future victory. That's why the apostle commanded them to rejoice. It wasn't a suggestion like, you know, well, why don't you try praise or why don't we do this? Uh-uh. He said, you rejoice. It's a forced rejoicing. He pushes it out of you. He makes you do it. Amen. Because it, it's the way to let God know. It's the way to marshal the forces of heaven here to rescue you and aid you and help you. They're not going to do it if you're anxious and careful for everything. If you're in that kind of spirit and that kind of mood, it won't help you. Job tried that for, what do I always say, 40 chapters? <laughs> Book of Job. He tried that for all them chapters, whining, complaining talking to his friends, talked to everybody but God about his situation. And when he, he, when God finally heard enough, he made him get up out that bed. Oh, Barb, Job was sick. That's so mean. Huh? No, it's a forced joy. It's a forced uh, establishment of your covenant. It's a forced thing. You have to force yourself to do. Everybody who's ever had a job knows what I'm talking about. 
there are many days you don't want to get up and go and face all of that. But you force yourself to go. Amen. And hopefully you do it in rejoicing so that when you get there, you're not dragging in there looking like everybody else that had to do the same thing to get there. So rejoicing then is a down payment on our future circumstances. A fruit of the spirit that we yield to, and this is not a fake thing. Because there's counterfeits of everything that, that God has. And sometimes people put a smile on their face and they want to cry and all this. No, this isn't that. This isn't something that you just wipe on and wipe off. This comes from deep down in your spirit. You have a reservoir of joy on the inside of you. You just have to know how to release it and know that it's there for you to help you to live. All of the fruit of the spirit are life forces. They are life generating forces. They are life affirming forces. When you walk in God's peace, that can, can, can cover a whole room when you walk into it. Amen. Just like when you're, when you're angry, you come in with your mouth all twisted up. That big devil can cause everybody to pay attention to you. The fruit of the spirit are even more powerful. Amen. And, and so we need to choose the fruit of God so that we can minister that out of ourselves at all times. See, there is a deposit of joy in all of us to help us meet difficult circumstances and to overcome difficult circumstances. Some people yield to it more easily than others do. Why? Because they need to. <laughs> I would say that's, that's that's the biggest one right there. Amen. Because you need to. You need joy. Some of some of us, you know, for what we going through, if we didn't have joy, huh? We'd have quit a long time ago. We just gotta know how to pull it up from where it's it's sitting down there and say, Hey, remember me? Can I come out? I can show you a thing or two. You know, a little joy down there trying to get out and help you and you know, you all woe is me and down and out and acting crazy. Joy say, hey, hey, remember me? I'm little because you don't let me get out much. But boy, if I ever get out of here, I'll be real big. You let me. Huh? A little munchkin joy sitting in there trying to survive. <laughs> huh? And the more you exercise and yield to them, the stronger they get. They do. The stronger they get in you. The more you exercise and yield to them, the stronger they get. The more available they become. So then joy becomes your partner in life. You know, you kind of lean on him a lot more than you do some of the other ones at certain times. Because you need to. And that's what the fruit of the spirit are in there for. Amen. Some people never yield to, to, uh, meekness and self-control. You know, it, that's so prevalent in the day and age we live in. Self-control is there so that you don't get excessive and then have to go and repent for something you, you didn't stop yourself from doing. You know, I used to hear Christians saying, God's dealing with me about just get, you know, some stuff you just need to do. Like why he got to deal with you about something. 
just do it you understand what i'm saying you don't need all this dealing like it's well you know uh i didn't have this growing up listen i didn't either i can give you a list i can you got a roll of toilet paper i can write my list on my goodness what i didn't have amen that doesn't mean that it's got to take you forever to get over yourself so the fruit of the fruit of the spirit help us to get over us huh wherever you whereas you used to be discouraged about things and you used to be disappointed and you mope around and brood about it until you can go through your little pea brain and find a half answer huh think of something that don't work again you could just rejoice in god and watch the other answers start to come to you watch what god will do if you ever get in the right frame of mind about life now if you if you really if heaven is really your home why are you set upset about something that's happening in a foreign country? It's like me being upset about what they're doing in France or England. That ain't none of my business. What the devil's doing in his kingdom is not none of my affairs, not none of my business. Because heaven, I li- I'm, a, I'm a citizen of heaven. Are you kidding me? I get all the armies of heaven at my disposal if I ever need them. What do I have to be upset about? Now, you're not going to work me into that. I lived a life of upset before then. <laughs> We're not going there no more. Amen. So, so rejoice as a fruit of the spirit. A joy as a fruit of the spirit is a forced. It's a command of God. He commands us to do it. Not a choice. Or is it, because it's not generated by feelings. None of the fruit of the spirit are generated by feelings. Now, sometimes you can, your soul can cooperate with your spirit in such a way where when certain things hit you, you automatic trigger yourself over into the fruit of the spirit. Say, for instance, when, when somebody gives you some news that would usually upset you, and this is the whole thing with the devil, he keeps working them same little things he's always worked. It's never anything new with him. Because he wants you to think that God's not being effective in your life, that nothing's changed, it's the same old, same old, you always have to deal with this. So if he can get the same response from us all the time, then he's got us. But if you ever switch it up on him, huh? Where you used to be upset and blue and running around calling phone numbers trying to get some of this, get some of that working for you. You just sit up there and you start rejoicing. God, I thank you. Hallelujah. Glory. Woo, the devil is trying me today. Father, I thank you that your joy is here to give me overcoming power in this. That I am not going to succumb to this. I am riding over this. I'm rejoicing with exceeding joy. So joy speaks victory, man. The flesh and the devil are always going to try and overcome what God is doing in our lives. It will make a make an attempt to get back in. But joy always speaks victory. When we come to God confessing faith in his victory 
over everything when we rejoice. So when you rejoice, you're confessing victory over everything. Even in the midst of what's going on. If you begin to rejoice, you are confessing victory over whatever it is that the enemy is trying to do. This is in no way suppressing your real feelings. This is the real you. The one who rejoices, that's the real you. Amen. That depressed, crazy person, that's somebody else. That person died. huh? That person is dead in Christ and, and now you're risen in him to joy and rejoicing, exceeding joy. Amen. What Paul was saying is says rejoice until you go crazy. Amen. Rejoicing with exceeding joy. Amen. Amen. Exceeding what? Exceeding the problems of the devil that he's trying to give you. Amen. So your joy exceeds his trouble that he's trying to bring to your life. Can't bring any trouble that God can't help you out of. And expect God to rescue you. Huh? Oh, well, you know, I just, you know, I just take my punishment. Not me. (laughs) I have it on good authority. I have it on good authority that punishment is off the table. Amen. Uh Uh-uh. Well, you know, I did so-and-so, and that's how I got here. No, that's really not true. You don't know how you got here. You know, them events, Judge Your Ornery, may have happened in my life. But that is no reflection on my ability to cause those things to happen. Now, I know I was standing there with my fingerprints all over the weapon and gun residue here and there and all over everything. But just because I was in that position don't mean I had nothing to do with nothing that went on. I plead the blood. Uh-huh. So that's what you do. Sit up and let the devil bounce you around because you think you, as you just woke up one day feeling guilty about everything. Give me a break. Huh? Guilt's off the table. Condemnations off the table. Punishments off the table. Punishment, if some of us had to get punished, we just go back to the world. You know, I'm serious. I mean, you know, like, what am I saying for if I'm going to get beat up like I did when I was out there? At least I enjoyed myself. True. God took punishment off the table to keep us with him. (laughs) But he took our sins, our sicknesses, our griefs, our sorrows, everything that gives us problems and trouble. If you really understand the power of the blood and of your covenant, you'll rejoice in that. God, I thank you. I don't have to get punished for everything I do anymore. I'm trying my best not to do it no more. You understand? I mean, a broken spirit, a contrite heart. God will always honor those. 
And so, no, I don't feel like a burglar getting like I'm getting away with something I didn't mean to do wrong. You understand what I'm saying? See, that's the difference when you're blood bought. You don't mean to do these things. Huh? You know, you walk around all day. I'm not going to do it. 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 No, not me. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to. You wind up doing it. By 11 o'clock, you did good till 1030. By 11 o'clock, you're right back there again. So God helps even us, our little, you know, our little voodoo we do, our little juju we work sometimes trying to make sure we don't do nothing wrong. We'll understand we can relax because he's keeping us. Amen. He's keeping us. Keeping us what? Keeping us in the covenant. Keeping us in obedience to him. Keeping us close to him. If we will forget trying to help ourselves. And learn how to enjoy our life in him. We'd be a lot better off. It's only the devil that makes you think about your weaknesses all the time. And wonder. Oh well. Oh if I go back to this. Oh if I go. Come on now. He likes to keep us on edge about. Whether God really loves us or not. Stay on edge about it. But rejoicing will put you over in the realm where God abides with you and then you partake of his strength. And see, you're not worried about messing up all the time. You're not worried about what's going to happen if I can't do this right and I can't. You're not worried about that. Why? Because rejoicing keeps you in the strength of the Lord keeps you in the overcoming power of lord somehow you get the impression that if that did happen to me again it's not all lost god will come and rescue me amen worst case scenario he's my rescuer amen but he's also your keeper he keeps you from harm he keeps you from the evil one amen so we have to learn how to employ all of the the fruit of the spirit and all of the remedies and helps for ourselves so that we can walk in harmony with God. We rejoice in our salvation. Isaiah 25 verse 9 tells us to that the, the rejoicing in our salvation is is what we do. And this is why you rejoice. You rejoice because you don't have to fear worry feel threatened by anything 25 verse 9 did i say and it shall be said in that day lo this is our god we have waited for him and he will save us this is the lord we have waited for him we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation amen so you rejoice in the fact that god will come and rescue you and help you Well, what if I caused the trouble myself? If you stayed out of trouble, you wouldn't need rescuing. (laughs) Now, that's for some of them other people. I don't know what kind of people that would be. I don't know none of them. But, yeah, you need a savior. You need a helper. You need as much as you can get. Huh? It's the truth. Psalm 9, you know, a lot of times we think God is is there for us, you know, only when we do good. 
your parents were your parents weren't even near perfect and they didn't they didn't plant that in your head you knew your parents some of y'all knew you could work your parents up into a certain point and they would always go to bat for you but you didn't get you don't cross the line psalm nine fourteen that i might show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of zion i will rejoice in your salvation amen so we're to rejoice in the fact that god will come and rescue us not feel bad about it come on now you know when you live for god you have to flip around all these different crazy ideas that we've always had everybody wants to be self-sufficient and independent that didn't go very far did it huh you you found out you had to you were dependent on somebody for something even the most uh, prominent wealthy well-heeled people you know if people uh, millionaires have to depend on the banks to loan them money you don't operate out of your own funds all the time why you don't trust yourself now why would i don't care if you've got 10 million dollars at your disposal if you and you have a project that costs five, you go shop around and see if somebody will loan you that money because you don't want to lose your ten if something goes wrong. So many times we we are are high risk people, you know what I'm saying? But but God takes all the high risk out of our living and out of our life because He is there to ensure that we will make it through. He ensures that we won't go under. He ensures that we will be able to get victory in everything that comes against us amen just by trusting him just by trusting him psalm 40 verse 16 let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in you let such as love your salvation say continually the lord be magnified continually we are to rejoice and say god be magnified be increased in my life god be real big in my life god be bigger than my situations be bigger than my doldrums be bigger than my disappointments be bigger than my bad mood be bigger than my loneliness be bigger than all of these let god be magnified amen let him be magnified i don't care how much you try to prepare and protect yourself from bad circumstances jesus said they're going to come to you sometimes it'll come out of nowhere where you don't even suspect that anything's wrong why because in the world you're going to have trouble because the devil is constantly stealing he's moving this out of this house and moving that in that house and yes you ever see these little i was watching this (laughs) this uh reality show about some gypsies them some moving people man they i mean one day they got a whole thing that looks like they in business and you can go in and trade with them next day that whole thing is empty they done moved out on you in the middle of the night that's just like the devil i'm serious he says they they were saying uh what these little gypsy people said well we we were trying to get a a place a hotel the hotels won't rent to us why because they got a habit of walking off without paying the bill they don't have i don't have no problem with them yeah because i pay my bill Uh uh-huh 
Oh, we wanted to have the the wedding in a hotel, but they won't. They won't. Uh, yeah, and the hotel people say no. We their credit is no good with us. We don't. Huh? Well, that's what the devil does. He sets you up and makes it look real purdy. Like it's all going to work for you and it's all going to be wonderful. And before you know it, he'd have moved all your stuff out and took it from you. And you, huh? you can't live. And so God wants us to understand that we need him for foreseen and unforeseen situations. We need him for things that we know are going to happen and things that we're not sure are going to happen. We need him for those things. We need God for everything. We just do. So it says, those that seek God rejoice. Amen. In other words, don't come up in his place looking funny and acting funny. Now that's what he's saying to me. I don't know what version of the Bible y'all got, but mine is new and interesting. Amen. I'm serious. Don't come up here moping and whining. Act like you know somebody that's got something. Amen. Absolutely. It makes a difference because God will acknowledge you. Remember when Esther went in to see the king? She wasn't in no, now Mordecai was out there in them sackcloth and ashes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was mourning and he was, you know, carrying on, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, and she went out, she didn't even go out to see him. She sent somebody out there. It's like, really, Morty? Come on now. We don't do that. Now. We don't do that now. We up in the palace, brother. You know, I got my nails done, got my hair done. She wondered what ailed the brother, to be honest with you. Seriously? It's got that bad? Ooh, do tell. You know, but stay out there, you know. But when she went in to see the king, she was dressed immaculately. You know, she had she had her stuff together. And he never would have guessed the stuff that was going on was going on by the look on her countenance. Huh? I got news for you. If people come up to me looking too rough, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just kind of... No, no, I'm not Pastor Barb. That's that girl over there. Huh? We all want to see people who look like they're going somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? Look like they know what they're doing. Well, nobody passing out on you and acting all crazy and foaming at the mouth. Really? So she got herself dressed up, looking like she was going somewhere. to. She looked presentable to be in front of the king. Huh? Now, if she couldn't have done any better, I guess she would have been like that. But she had been groomed and all that kind of stuff, you know, came up and curtsied and all that and, and invited him for dinner the next day. You're not going to go to dinner with somebody looking rough and all cutthroat. And got a do-rag on her head and a gang colors and her shades on. And Seriously? Huh? That's why he told Job, he said, get about that bed. Huh? He said, array yourself like a man. Get dressed, get dressed up and act like you're going somewhere. If you'll dress the part, you'll get there. Amen? Absolutely. 
Look like you going somewhere. Look like you belong. Huh? <laughs> so we that seek the Lord rejoice. Always get in God's face with joy. Rejoice that he is seeing you. Rejoice that he's your God. Don't rejoice after you get what you need. Most people who think that way don't get much and they don't have much joy because they're putting it backwards. If you can act like you have a thing before you have a thing, you will have a thing. Uh You do. Just, you know, have that's what faith is. Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of <laughs> going out looking rough, disguising myself, cause I'm really saying I don't want to be bothered with nobody. And then God bothers me with people anyway, and then I'm like, God, come on now. It's, the girl looking rough and everything. And, you know, I give people our flyers and they look at that and look at me. I said, well, that's me with my hair combed. Or something. You know, they like, look at, turn it upside down and stuff to see it. Uh-huh. But if you're going somewhere in God, amen, you gotta look like you're going somewhere in God. You know, women, you know, always be modest in the way you, you, you understand what I'm saying. It's, it's good to stand out if that's your personality. But but don't dress like the world. You know, if, if you're going to be the bride of Christ, the first thing you get is the wedding dress. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you say yes to the dress the minute you get saved. Huh? And he adorns us the way a, a holy bride should look. We don't look the same way. Huh? I tell you what, you start adorning yourself different. Some of these habits we have, we struggle with will drop off you so quick. Huh? Devil will leave you alone so quick because you're, you're putting yourself in a different circle now. You're putting yourself among the saints. Amen. Among that great cloud of witnesses in the heaven who have established themselves in God by their faith. So your faith says where you're going, not where you're at. It always, it always points to your destination. It never points to your present circumstances. Amen. It's the substance of things hoped for. Amen. It's the substance of things hoped for. So if you're hoping for God to, to put you in property, to put you in all these things, you know, the things that we say that we, we desire in God, start seeing yourself being there taking care of things amen you know go clean up something i don't care what you clean up keep cleaning up the same little corner over and over again take care of it amen make sure you take care of it that's right act like you own it if you don't own it you know show responsibility amen show responsibility for it and and treat it as though it's your permanent possession. Amen. And soon you will be in that thing that's your permanent possession. And it will be, it won't be a starter or a fixer-upper either. 
You, you got me? It will be something that's, that speaks to the level where you operate at now by your faith. Amen. I remember when we were growing up, you know, little kids, we really didn't know about people that had owned property. You know, we rented. And, but I can remember the people that kept the clean houses, you know. Now, I don't know if ours was clean or not. My mother made us clean up. He's, get y'all better get in there and do something, you know. I, I wouldn't have considered us to be unkempt people. You understand what I'm saying? But there were some people whose houses were immaculate. And these were women that worked all day long. They didn't let their kids lay around and not do anything. When they got home, they had chores. And when mama came in, them chores were done. Well, they didn't stay there long. Pretty soon you heard about them moving over to the the next neighborhood or the next suburb and they owned something. Amen. So you can't tell me it doesn't work. And I don't know if them people were saved or not. Well, even more when you belong to God. Amen. He will advance you so quickly. Because of the responsibility you take for things that he puts in your hand. If you can be a good steward over what he, what you possess, you will soon possess more. Amen. And you won't be phased by it. You got me? You won't be sitting up there with, look at, you know, look at what we got, you know. I got about 300 square feet up in here. Yeah, nothing but dust. With you. But you know what I'm saying. You know, cause, cause to people who are good stewards, it's all possession. You got me? You're not moved one way or the other by, by what God puts in your hands. You just say, well, thank God I'm here. But this is not my life. This is something I possess. It doesn't possess me. Amen? People get too possessed by stuff, you know? Like, I mean, you know, the devil can make a project out of anything if you let him. You know, you can go get you a, a little latte one day and enjoy it. And then, I got to have my, where's my, where's my stuff? Where's my? You know, people like, get off of me. You know what I'm saying? You're like, all of a sudden you addicted to it and can't live without it and you just had your first swig three days ago. You know what I'm saying? Was... Cocaine don't work that fast. Good gravy. But see, that's that's the the sinful soul. It is quick to grab on to to let things grab them instead of you grabbing and getting command over it and and managing it like somebody with some sense with with a spiritual life. That's far superior to what you're doing in the natural. These things will grab you and try to master you. So that's why God honors and rewards those of us who are good stewards. Amen. Just take care of it. Amen. It doesn't have to dominate you. It doesn't have to uh, try and control you. Any of that kind of stuff. Just be a good steward of it. Treat it nice. Take care of it. All of that kind of stuff. You know, I, I love Coco and, and she's a rescue, I guess. I don't, I a little dog showed up in my house, but you know, I mean, uh, and, and I feed her too much. You understand what I'm saying? Now I could do better. I could do better with myself, but I refuse to make a puppet out of my pet. 
she wanna come and <laughs> I woke up one night, I was putting, putting together some, some baskets or something like that. I always get some little treats to put in them, but some kind of stuff I was putting together for a project or something. And, and I remember having some of those, uh, uh, Slim Jims. Her fave. And I forgot I had left the, the bag of supplies on the floor. I was just sleepy. I went, went to bed. In the middle of the night, I kept hearing rappers. I got up. It was like a dozen. I got a picture on my phone. It was a trail that left from that bag over to the corner that she, and she was asleep. Huh? She done cleaned up. Huh? Oh, that queen knows how to find it. So you have to be careful with her. But I know for a fact that dog has no concept of being nervous about how much she weighs. You understand? Why am I going to project my problems onto her? So we get a little extra treat. huh? When people say we fat, we call it extra fur. So arrest me for it, okay? People major in the minors. You know, and I, we sit up, I sit up and listen to commercials and some stuff they put on a Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I said, Coco, you want some Dinovite? And she's, <laughs> well, she doesn't want any. So I'm off the hook. Huh? <laughs> People don't even eat right themselves and got all this special stuff for their pets. They ought to be ashamed. Crazy. But God wants us to be a good steward. She's happy. Amen. We have joy. We have rejoicing. We, it takes both of us a little longer to get up the steps these days, but that's not no sin. God will help us. <laughs> anyway. Praise also can be seen as a sacrifice. Rejoicing is a sacrifice. And that is something God knows and he honors. Amen. The Bible tells us to to bring praise as an offering. <clears throat> Let me turn to Psalm 100 verse 4. <clears throat> Let me see. Is that the one I want? Hang on. I get so many here. Go to Psalm 116, 17 first. Let me see what that says. It says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. So God sees praise, rejoicing, thanksgiving as sacrifices. Why? Because we don't feel in the natural that they're warranted. See, any time you, you transcend what, what would naturally happen in a situation and flip over into the realm of the spirit, that has to pierce your flesh in some way. See, because if you get bad news, your flesh feels like it deserves to be pampered and acknowledged some kind of way. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, help me, console me, give me something. Huh? I used to say that to my poor husband. He says, 
He said, baby, what's wrong with you? I was like, oh, no, but I just want something. And you better have it. I was, now it's going totally off the deep end now, Barb. Get a grip. <laughs> you know he doesn't have anything. He said, you took it all from me the first year we were married. Well, I'm not supposed to have anything. You know? <laughs> so really? We're really in bad shape. But you know your flesh feels like it's owed something to be indulged, to be recognized, to all of that kind of stuff. And so when you sacrifice that, kill it, make it not important, and you begin to rejoice and, and transport yourself to that realm of the spirit where it's all good, where you would live if you had gotten rid of all the trouble that you seem to be having right now see if you can live in that place even for a moment in God he sees that as a sacrifice and he will honor that amen he honors all sacrifice he never overlooks any sacrifice amen he knows Jesus knows what it's like to live down here on earth are you kidding me he lived the hardest life Because he lived in opposition to everything that the world stood for. And he did it openly. He did it without shame. And he did it with excellent results. It's the results often that will get you in trouble. You got me? Sometimes the results that, that we get in God will cause a retaliation from the enemy. He just wants to come back and give us trouble too because of the trouble we give him. And so you have to learn how to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Huh? Honey, if the devil calls, you tell him I ain't here today. Understand? <laughs> we under the shadow of the Almighty. Huh? See, you don't know the effect of your prayer sometimes. You think, you think the devil just sits back and is going to let you pray without giving you a hard time about something? Huh? He's not. He's always plotting to see if he can do something to show you you can't do that and feel comfortable. Well, yes, I can, devil, because I'm rejoicing right in the midst of all of it. I'm staying full of the joy of the Lord. We that seek God rejoice. Rejoice as you seek him. Not not after you get what you need or what you're looking for. We said that. Praise is a sacrifice. Because it cracks our stubborn flesh. Sometimes your your mind will want to keep nursing something that's a problem. And, and make it okay to feel bad. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, when you're feeling that way, you don't see it as a negative thing sometimes. We just see it. This is normal, you know. Oh, for what I'm going through, this is normal. Well, I'm going to do something that's abnormal for what I'm going through. Why not try that for a change? Amen. And try rejoicing in the Lord. Let God know that you're happy. Let him know that you're using the tools that he's given you, the fruit of the spirit, to rejoice in. And it's not a fake thing. It's real. The fruit of the spirit are more real than your troubles are. Amen. If you will let it happen. A life of joy cures all the negative forces that get us into sin. So joy becomes your weapon against you falling into the temptation of the devil. Mm -hmm. You stay joyful. Listen, if you're joyful all the time, what can the devil offer you to top that? 
people get in sin because the devil offers them stuff they think is going to make them feel better. See, he gets you all down in the dumps and, and feeling low and lonely and yada yada and this and that. And then you start brooding about and thinking about it. And he offers you something to take the doldrums away. Come on, let's go get drunk. Come on, let's go. Remember that day you got saved and got happy and got rid of all your whole clothes? Remember, remember that one dress you didn't want to get rid of? Let's go get that one. Huh? 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 Yeah. Got somewhere I want to take you tonight. Huh? 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 Or them stilettos you kept because you said you was going to get the heels cut down and didn't get them cut down yet? Red bottom high heels. Aww. See, he puts us in a bad mood and then forces us to nurse it like we can't get rid of it. Then he offers us something. But if you abide in his joy, there's no higher fruit of the spirit than joy. Because joy is symbolic of overcoming. Joy is symbolic of being empowered. Joy is symbolic of not having a care in the world. Cares are what the enemy uses to snag us with. Huh? Cares are like, you know, like sticky, like, you know, if your body were covered with post-it notes, where the devil just comes up and punches one and says, we're going to do this today. Amen. And so when you have cares, it makes you a big target for him. He's able to make you feel that things are never going to get better. Huh? People who have lived a while, who are wise, will tell you, ah, that's always going to change. It always changes. Huh? I'll look at, think about the, the, the back in the 19, 1929 when the stock market crashed. It's not going to crash these days because they know more how to keep it from crashing. Huh? <laughs> They, they've even tried recently to fake a, a crash of the stock market. Huh? Yeah. They have built in uh, a um, circuit breaker that when the stock falls 7%, it shuts everything down. So you can't trade circuit breaker, just like in your house. When you got too many appliances on one line at one time, it just cuts off and you can't do anything. And then people realize, oh, okay, I can't do, I can't mess stuff up like I was going to try to, so I better chill out, regroup, and think about this thing again. So they did it. That happened last week. With all of the wealth that's in stocks in this country, and people have predicting, been predicting it was going to correct itself, which means it'll take a downturn at some point. So that everything's not overly inflated in value or so, or it gets devalued real easily. But, but that even, even in those circumstances, people will still try and manipulate it, but they don't have the power to do it like they did in the twenties and thirties. And so during that time, there were people that would jump out of buildings. You know, they go to the office and see they'd lost everything and commit suicide. That was just very common back in the day. 
all the wealthy people, all the smart people committing suicide because they lost their money. But there were certain people that just held on. They went to work. They came back. There wasn't much work to do. Whatever work there was, they did it and they did it and they did it. Some did it for 10 years and soon enough, everything came back again. Why? Because they understood something that the people who were circumstantial people didn't understand. And that was that this would not, faith would tell you it won't last forever. Amen. And faith will also tell you that God will get you out of it sooner rather than later if it's really harmful for you. God knows how to deliver the righteous out of trouble, the Bible says. He knows how to come and rescue you. He did it before. He'll do it again. So praise then is able to to be raised as an offering. When you praise God, you are raising an offering to him of response to your circumstances as though he had remedied them already. And they, they made the bad stuff may just be starting. Amen. We're all tied into the world system in some way. There's no way you can be free of things that go on in the world. But but Jesus said to be of good cheer because he's overcome everything that the world has to offer. Even the good things. Sometimes people get get too much of good things that the world has to offer. Their flesh gets accustomed to certain things, living a certain way, not having to do certain things. And, and uh, you know, anybody who's been single for any length of time with a decent job, you know, if you didn't know the Lord or whatever, uh, you know that if you get married and when you get married, you got to cut back on all of those little things that you used to just indulge yourself in. And so God has made a remedy for all of those situations because he always has ample provision for his people who live the right way. It's not for the greedy. It's for people who live prudently before God. Abundance is for people who have faith in God and are are responsible people to manage their goods the way they're supposed to. If you're a, a good manager... And I'm not talking about somebody who's perfect all the time, but I'm talking about somebody who's humble toward God. If you know how to manage your resources appropriately, God will always give you more. That's always the key to abundance is what you do with what you have. And if you're responsible to obey God in the things he tells you to do, you will always have abundance. It's good to to rejoice in making sacrifices Because then God will be able to help you to have ample for more things. You know, I caught myself. I I did something to help somebody out and I caught myself grumbling about it. And I told the Lord, I said, you know what, Lord? I said, that ain't right. You know, and it's sometimes it's so it's so common that, that you rethink certain things and I said Lord I did that as an offering to you and I'm complaining about it and I said Lord forgive me and help me to have a better attitude you know and and you know that you obeyed God because to not obey him didn't feel right to you didn't seem right and so sometimes we we negate our own blessing or diminish our own blessing by the after the fact attitude 
that we have about it. So it's good. It says rejoice always. That means rejoice when you do the right thing and stay rejoicing because the devil will try to get you to think bad about what you just did. I mean, it's just so common to do. And I thought about it. I said, Lord, to do something like that about money. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, and so you just have to watch yourself to the, to the rejoicing aspect of life will get you through so that when it's time for God to bless you and increase you, his his coffers will be open to you. You know, there'll be no limit on what God can do for you. And many times we do good things and we do the right thing, but we allow the enemy to come and steal the joy of it from us through rethinking it thinking about it again, overthinking it, that kind of stuff. And so it's good to when we do things to just release them to God. Let God have them let, and let God bless us accordingly. Amen. So um, when we rejoice, we enter his gates. Pray, uh, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, uh, we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and his courts with praise. So the heart has to be right. And the confession has to be right. Praise is always verbal. It's always spoken. It's always acted out. There, There is always some action to praise. Amen. So thanksgiving, though, must be in your heart. You can't have uh, anger in your heart. You can't have maliciousness. You can't have selfishness in there. Because it, and this lets you know that God says you can't fool me. Amen. I know what's in your heart and I'm looking at that as well. So I'm looking at that above all things. And these are the offerings that are acceptable to God on a holy altar. Thanksgiving in your heart. Praise on your lips. Jesus, when he fed the multitude, the Bible said he gave thanks first for that small lunch that was there. And see, this is what differentiates the saint from the heathen is whether is how we treat small things. Amen. I don't care if it's people that are are small. Say, for instance, you might look at uh, somebody homeless differently than you would look at somebody who's, you know, well to do or something like that. Well, God is no respecter of persons. And so when God says how you treat small things, don't despise a day of small things. That means small in your eyes, small in stature, small as far as society is concerned. Whatever small means to you, you have to respect and be thankful even for the small. You got me? Don't treat, like I'll see people will just take change and leave it anywhere and, and you know, I'll go get it because to me change is money. You know, back in the day... <laughs> you know I'll even I'll even collect pennies because I say hey a penny is money too you know what I'm saying I don't like them as much as I do paper but uh you know what I'm saying plastic being my favorite of all but <laughs> plastic reads like unlimited to me I don't know about you but <laughs> but the command to rejoice helps us stay in the race that God has placed us in we need to be able to live under the command to rejoice. When Jesus thanked God for that small meal, he was actually rejoicing that there was seed that God could use to make provision. 
He wasn't rejoicing in that little bit, but in vision, he saw it doing what was needed. It was necessary for the situation and with abundance. You notice that they didn't just have enough for everybody so that they had to do the Walmart that they're doing now, fighting over toilet paper. I'm serious. God knows what people are doing. They just, you just give people just enough. Thank you, Emery. That's why God always deals in abundance. Now, see, people sometimes look at leftovers as waste. I'm going to go across the street to the Y. Huh? Because I'm telling you, you have to be careful how you look at things if you're a kingdom person. Huh? Jesus, when they finished eating, he instructed them to do what? Gather up what remained so that nothing would be wasted. So that shows you God's heart. God is extravagant, but he's not wasteful. There's a purpose for everything he puts in our hands. You know, I'll see people, you know, don't want to pay their rent on time and don't want to pay, you know, uh, utility bills and and then go somewhere and get fast food and throw away half of it because it's not, you need to go get some food and cook. You knew that stuff was junk when you go through the drive-thru. What do you think them people sit up there? That's why they call it fast because it's been sitting there all day long. Waiting for you to come up and get happy about it. The devil even make you rejoice. He calls it a happy meal. You see, you better be glad for it. Most stale french fries and Huh? Sitting up under the heat lamp getting dry. Everybody knows better to go at a certain time of the day because it's all leftover food sitting there. So you just take a shortcut. Go buy you some food, cook it, and you can have leftovers the next day. Pay top price for no leftovers. I'm serious. Huh? So much waste. And whenever there's waste, then there's lack right in the same atmosphere. Because people who are, are, are wasteful lack wisdom. They lack discipline. They lack prudence. They lack a lot of things. Amen? And so God, when he provides, he provides abundantly. But he's not wasteful. You know, I, when we, we have a conference and, and it's a lot of food, you know, when it comes in at one time the first day, one of the uh, ladies that helps us at the venue, she, you know, they have people you can hire to come over and assist you and all of that. And so she was looking in the refrigerator. She said, how did y'all get all this food in here? This is a lot of food. <laughs> 
And so I told her, I said, well, by Sunday, we won't have nearly as much. I said, but we'll have some left over. We don't throw anything out. We don't throw anything away. See, there's a purpose for everything. Number one, my conscience toward God would, will not let me make barely enough anything. Because you don't like it, and I don't either. When people come in, I don't want them looking and saying, well, where is, is all this gone? Where is this? Where is that? I don't like that. Because I know God will provide for them and provide abundantly if I'll take the responsibility to make sure it gets in there. So I don't care how much is in that refrigerator, to be honest with you. Because I don't worry about things. that God cured me of second-guessing him a long time ago. You know, people point the finger at you and think you the one doing all that. Well, Pastor Barb didn't buy all that food. Take that to your house. Huh? I know how to run the house of God. And I know what God's told me about his people. See, you don't know who's coming in. You don't know that they don't have food at their house. You don't know that they might have taken the last of anything they had just to make it to the meeting. I don't care. I don't care if they have prophet, apostle, minister, reverend in front of their name with a beautiful suit on. You don't know the condition of people. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to provide for people as though they are the most important people in the world. That's what God told me. He said, my people are the most important people in the world, and I want them provided for just like that. You understand me? So that's why we do what we do. But I can tell you, we are not wasteful. We are not wasteful. You know about them flips we buy. You got to buy special dishes. You know, you eat off a plate, and then you got a special dish. You got to buy more dishes so they can take carry out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. <laughs> Jesus had to do it. Where'd them baskets come from? Huh? Came from somebody who knew God was going to provide extravagantly and provide in abundance. Yeah, there's always extra folks. There's always more. Praise God. So the command to rejoice helps us to stay in the race as winners. We're not straggling and barely making it through. We cross the finish line full of joy, full of energy, stronger than when we started the race. Amen. When the saints leave this earth and go to heaven, they are stronger in God than they were when they first started the race. There's no barely getting in heaven, folks. If you've been running with God for a while, you're not barely getting in. You're going across that finish line stronger than when you started. And you should be stronger. Amen. Habakkuk 3. Let me think. 17. Oh, I'm in Hebrews. Let me find that. Hang on, hang on, hang on. The prophet here is talking about a time of destruction coming upon the earth. 
he says here, um, he talks about how God is judging and how he's uh, limiting things on the earth. In verse 17, he says, and although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So really the prophet is raising this as a sacrifice and an offering against evil times to come. He says if I even if I see no possibility of a crop coming through, I see no possibility of having an animal that that I can can uh, sacrifice for meat. I'm going to rejoice anyway because I'm going to sow joy into the earth. In the confidence that God will turn this around at some point. So then joy becomes a seed that we sow for future blessings, even when we don't see the blessing coming right now. See, many times when we pray for things, we get a a witness in our spirit. We have a sense that it's going to happen. We got a sense that, but this man is saying none of that's going on here. There's no possibility of ever seeing anything good coming to the earth even soon, soon or later. But he says, yet I'm going to leave this joy in the earth. I'm going to leave my rejoicing here as a marker that says, I believe God at some point will turn this around, even though there's no evidence that he is inclined to do so soon. And so your joy becomes your testimony in the earth. Amen. Your rejoicing becomes your 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 um, calling card. That's how you're identified in the earth. This is how you, people know that one of God's people was involved somewhere here. Is that we leave rejoicing as a marker. Many of the Christians that were fed to the lions during Caesars, the Caesars, times and and all of those emperors that came after left singing hymns rejoicing in god as their bodies were being torn apart they left joy as a marker that god could see that your people still trusted you even in the worst of the worst of the worst of times so i'm telling you the command of joy is there for a reason folks that we can can understand that god needs it he wants it so when all else fails they will know that christians have been here because we leave joy amen as a calling card everywhere god sends us amen no matter what the circumstances praise god all right why don't we stop father we thank you for your word and Thank you for understanding. Thank you, Father, for the joy that you command us to release in the earth. In your presence is fullness of joy. Father, we have nothing to be uh, sad about. We have nothing to be forlorn about. We will rejoice in the God of our salvation. We will be joyful in you. We will plant joy as a marker that God's people dwell here. And that we are expecting our God to come for us and come through for us mightily. So we thank you, Lord, for rejoicing. We thank you, Lord, that we can rejoice with exceeding joy all the days that we are here. And we love you for it. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Praise God. Praise God. Amen.